Psalm 103. For those who have been in these prayer meeting hours before Thanksgiving, before you know this is not a new sermon, I don't think you can get, I don't think you can, uh, at Thanksgiving time, can think of something more powerful than the 103rd Psalm. It's been on my heart for years, and I want to share this again with us tonight. There are 22 verses in the 103rd Psalm. It's a Psalm of David. I am not sure whether David wrote this early in his life as a shepherd boy or whether he wrote it late in his life, but I have an idea that it was later in his life, after he had been through a lot of calamity, a lot of self-disappointment, a lot of tragedy, a lot of sin, and, and, and understood the forgiving blessings of the Lord. There are five divisions in this psalm. In verses 1 to 5, he talks to his own soul. He's just sort of talking to himself. In verses 6 through 10, he gives illustrations of God's goodness. Beginning in verse 11 through 14, he speaks of God's love. In verses 15 through 18, he contrasts time with eternity. And then in the last part, verses 19 to 21, he just includes the whole universe in praising God. I want us to read this. And then as we read it, uh, you count how many blessings you find here. How many blessings are there listed in this 20, these 22 verses? Uh, I get a different number every time I count them. But they're so precious. And I want to just select three of them to lay on our hearts in a special way tonight. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, it flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. 
The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. How many blessings did you get? Anybody count them? How many? Twenty. Anybody get some different number? You got thirty. All right. Anybody else? What? Twenty-six. <laughs> Who said twenty-six? Brother Ronnie. Anybody else? All right. I got 26, but I'm glad there are 30. I want you to show me the rest of them. They're... Oh, well, that's all right. That's good. You just made notes in your Bible. I think we ought to do that, write notes in our Bible. But I want to single out just a few of them. Um, look at verse 3 a moment. Now, you know, when, when you wonder, we sometimes say, God bless you. And in our prayers, we often say, Lord, bless the missionaries, bless our military people, bless these that are in the hospital. And what we're doing is calling to God our remembrance of these people and asking him to touch them with his mercy, with his grace, and, uh, and to bring healing or to bring watch care or to guide them. And so in that sense, we're giving them a blessing. But the psalmist turns it around and he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. How in the world do we bless the Lord? Well, one of the ways we bless the Lord is by bragging on Him. Uh, first time I ever heard Dr. Robert G. Lee was in Brownsville, Tennessee. I think it's the name of the town. And we were there. He, he was in a revival meeting. And I went to hear him. And Percy Ray was there that night. Percy Ray was from Mississippi. And he introduced Dr. Lee. And Percy Ray said, I've never heard a man that can brag on Jesus better than Dr. Robert G. Lee. And that certainly is true. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's, he's bragging on the Lord. And so he's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. And in blessing him, he is recalling all of these things that God does for us. And he's saying, Lord, I want to thank you for doing all these things for us. He had a thankful heart. And one of the first things he mentions is in verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Did you ever think of what it means to be forgiven? Just to be forgiven. Have you ever hurt somebody and you sought their forgiveness and received their forgiveness and then they acted as if nothing had ever happened? You sometimes remember it but they don't remember it against you. And it feels so good to be forgiven. Well, that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, I've sinned against God. I've done a great deal of things against God. I've broken his commandments. I've hurt his heart. I've embarrassed him before the people, but he has forgiven me. Not just some of my iniquities, but all of them. He forgiveth all thine iniquities. That's a blessing. 
to be forgiven. And Jesus said in his, the prayer he taught us, he said that we're to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted, indebted to us, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now what he was saying is, we ask God's forgiveness in the same measure that we give forgiveness to others, and then he put a PS to that prayer, and he said, if you do not forgive men their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses against him. And so forgiveness is something that's reciprocal. We seek it from God, and he forgives, and we pass it on to others, those who have hurt us. Is there anyone here tonight, don't raise your hand, of course, but is there anyone here tonight who has been injured or hurt along the way, cheated, stolen from, uh, violated, hurt, abused, and you've stored that up in your mind and heart, and you haven't forgiven? One of the tragedies of our day, and I'm not, I don't mean to be accusatory to attorneys, but our attorneys have made people conscious that they can get money from people if they'll sue them for something they did 10 or 15 or 25 years ago. Now, beloved, that ought not to happen among Christians. We need to forgive. If somebody has hurt you, you need to, just like you want forgiveness from God, you need to pass that forgiveness on to others. Who forgiveth all our iniquities. And somebody might say, but you don't know what they did against me. Is there anybody here who's had somebody sin against you more than you've sinned against God? The only way you could ever say yes to that is to have a low view of what sin is. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none perfect, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so when God keeps the records, he looks at us, and he knows that we're sinners. And so it would behoove every believer at this Thanksgiving season to come. If we have a burden of some kind of grudge harbored in our heart, or something that somebody's done to us, that they've been ugly to us, or mean to us, or have hurt us, we need to resolve right this moment to say, by the grace of God, I'm forgiving. Just like Jesus has forgiven me, he died on the cross for my sins, he died on the cross for that fellow's sins too, or that woman's sins, and I am going to forgive. I choose to forgive. I'm going to do that. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Now, I want to tell you, that's a blessing to whoever you forgive. It's a blessing because they don't have to, you don't have to have that grudge anymore. And it's also a blessing to us because we don't have to bear that burden of grudge anymore. You know, when we don't forgive others, it doesn't hurt them nearly as much as it does us. We bear that grudge around and it, keeps, it makes us bitter, makes us unforgiving, and makes us sour, turn sour. Well, I know, uh, I, I think of two ladies whose husbands walked out on them. I can hardly think of anything more devastating. And uh, both of those ladies had the experience of a husband being unfaithful, and finally, divorce, and they married somebody else. One of those ladies held that grudge in her heart, and she became bitter and sour, 
and she was just mean to everybody all the rest of her life. She's dead now. I would not talk about somebody in our church. I know another lady who had that same experience happen. It hurt her. She wept. She was hurt deeply. But she, for Christ's sake, forgave that person. And that person, that, that lady became one of the sweetest, finest Christians I've ever met. You do not have to live under the circumstances. You don't have to harbor in your heart the, forg- the bitterness that somebody has passed on to you because they've hurt you. Any more than we want God to do that to us. And so the psalmist, David, after he had committed two big sins, one was adultery, I think probably the bigger sin was when he, God had said, David, the, the, the battle belongs to me. And he had a faith failure, and he started, decided to count all the people to see if he had enough in the army to go out into war. And God said, David, you don't need to do that. David's chief uh, of the host told David he didn't have to do that because the battle belonged to God, but David did it anyway. And God allowed a great plague to come upon Israel. And hundreds and hundreds died and he was, David was out of the threshing floor of Aaron on. The death angel was passing over. And David said, wait, stay your hand, Lord, stay your hand. And God gave him three choices. And, uh, and that's when David bought the threshing floor of Aaron and offered a sacrifice. And it was that threshing floor that became the temple mound where the temple was later built. The same place where the Lord Jesus, that same mount, Mount Moriah, where the Lord Jesus died for our sins. So he forgiveth all thine iniquities. Secondly, look, look down there in verse 7 or verse 4. He redeemeth thy life from destruction. Have you ever felt, have you ever noticed, or have you ever thought how close to disaster you've come? How close to utter disaster? Either by maybe being killed in a wreck or your life all totally messed up, or you being put on a shelf somewhere and can't ever serve, or some hurt in your marriage and that marriage never got patched up, and you were near disaster. There's some that have even considered suicide, near disaster. And then they let the Lord take over and he redeems them from destruction. Isn't that beautiful? That's something to smile about. That's a blessing. He redeems us from destruction. And that's what the psalmist was saying. Praise God, he has redeemed me from destruction. And then there's one other uh, that I want you to notice. Verse 14. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we're dust. Isn't that good? I wonder if we know each other like that. Sometimes we expect too much from each other. I'm sure that, I'm sure I'm guilty of that. And maybe we all are, I don't know. But we look at people and we tend to judge them in comparison to somebody else. The Lord doesn't do that. He knows our frame. He knows what our abilities are. He knows what our weaknesses are. He knows our downsittings and our uprisings. He knows all about us. He remembereth that we're dust. And he loves us anyway. Somebody said a friend, a real friend, is somebody who knows you and loves you anyway. 
lots of times, you know, many, many of us are afraid to let somebody really know us because we thought, well, if, if they really knew what I was like, they wouldn't love me at all. The psalmist said, the Lord knows. He remembereth that we're dust. We're nothing. Isaiah wrote it one day, we're less than the balance, a little piece of dust, a speck of dust in a balance. The Lord remembers that we're dust. From dust thou art to dust returneth, was not spoken of the soul. He made us from dust. He remembers that we're dust. And he loves us anyway. Now, if God can do that, could we not ask him for the grace to do the same thing? Oh, for grace to love him more. As we close the service tonight, let's stand and form a circle around this auditorium.